and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. It's just too cold to say hello. Yet somehow you managed it. Also joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I find it brisk and invigorating. You're a terrible person. Joining us all the way from Oakridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. People are crying here because there was a light dusting of snow flurries on our roads that had no effect. Yes. I want to point out real quick, this is not an emergency, just something I want to point out to a person I know listens to the show. Lee and I have a very good friend named Brad, goes to the church, great guy. He posted on the Facebooks there, because it got down all the way down to like 25 Whoa. In, Tennessee, in Tennessee, and he posted, you know, I just saps all the energy out of me. At which point I and I very rarely comment on other people's Facebook statuses. Right. But I said, My thoughts are with you in these very difficult times. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think he got the message. Because I believe at this at that point, that was one of those days where the high here was in the negatives. Yeah. That's right. If it's the negatives, you can't call it a high because that's not how high works. Yeah. Tomorrow it's gonna be about forty degrees colder than that here. So yeah. yeah. So that's just uh, you know, just a little mini gripe to get us rolling. Woo! I assuming that transitions into the main gripe someone has. No, no I'm ready to roll. Let's do this thing. Man. I'm good. good. Go. I have a positive attitude. Okay, because I don't want you to interrupt the bridge box plug. I'll do that at the end. So going once, going twice. No, I'd say yeah. Let's. I like to get down to it. I want to get to the wisdom. people. Yeah. Welcome let's... to Chicago, where it's too cold to come up with emergencies. Uh-huh. All right. Our first question comes in. This might be one of those old school 27 minute episodes, folks. We're gonna get you on your way. Our first question comes in anonymously to our email address. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I will give you ways you can get in touch with us. Sergeant says, hey, guys, first off, I just wanted to say thanks for spending your time and energy telling the truth and encouraging people. Y'all are awesome. We do spend our time. If you listen to the show, I don't know how much energy we have left to expend <laughs> into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually wrote in with a question a year or so ago about a relationship I was in. And thanks in part to your advice, we are now one month married. Yeah. Exactly. If we have boy quadruplets, we will name them Jed, Matt, Lee, and Glenn. Promise. Nice. I declare an emergency. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I made sense where this one's going, too. Okay, first of all, I have several critiques here. <laughs> You've got notes? Yeah. This Wait, question has critique- third act problems? It, let's be clear that Glenn is, has critiques about this person's, this lovely person's life. I'm not sure right. where he got a red felt pen. That seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, okay, first of all, he, th- this person says, if we have boy quadruplets, let me ask you a question. Are you really trying to have quadruplets? <laughs> yeah. Because you have to focus. Yeah. <laughs> You can't, uh, you understand? That's you're not saying gonna, multiple birds are an act of will? It's exactly right. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to have these big, look, my, you know, y'all know my sister just gave birth to twins. Yes. Yeah. They're adorable. We were shown many pictures at dinner. This is what I'm saying. Now here's what happened. She was, you know, cause it's, it's better that if you carry them longer, usually people have twins early. So she, she was a little concerned about that. I told her, you know what you do? Cross your legs. <laughs> Oh, wow! Is that from I'm the, against uh, that. Did you go to the Mike Huckabee School? <laughs> Uncle Glenn is not a medical doctor, <laughs> but he will have a fo- job on Fox News shortly. So here's what he's happened: saying you gotta want it. If okay, you're quadruplets. Okay, wow. exactly right now. Okay, it's not essential. I mean, if you you know if you want to do it right, obviously you have quadruplets, but it's not essential 
uh, that you have quadruplets, but it is pretty much minimum expectation that you have four male children. Sure. Well, sure. The problem In I case have, you need many heirs. <laughs> the problem I have is this bizarre listing of Jed, Matt, Lee, and Glenn, because clearly this is not the order in which you would name these children i i think it is bro that, that kind of seems to be what they're suggesting no you would name them glenn jed lee then matt i see <laughs> oh is that how that would go that's correct that's the only correct way to do it because it's alphabetical aha uh-huh. uh-huh. i don't know what you guys were thinking with your accusatory tones uh-huh but uh, now, do that, you have the opinion that d- due to the law you have to name your children alphabetically? Because I'm not sure that's accurate. Uh, well, uh, you know what? Uh, if if you hate America, <laughs> you can name your children in whatever order you so want. So you're saying if you have like a daughter and name her Zoe, or a boy and name him Zach as your firstborn, you really have to immediately you've painted yourself into a corner. Hey, you know what? Here's what I'm going to tell you about that. I'm not responsible for what happens. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're on your own. You told this one married couple to name their children in alphabetical order, and they didn't. Two days later, they were attacked by a rabid lawnmower. Hey, you do the math. Forward this email. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so, uh, you know. So that's critique number one, order. Uh, well, no, no. Critique number one is, are you really trying sure. to have quadruples? Effort. Number two is... Name them in a proper order, and that includes if you have quadruplets, you got to figure out which one comes out you know, sure. in a sequential order. Right. And I think preferably what you want to do is yell it out in the delivery room, <laughs> as if you're calling racehorses coming down the stretch. It, okay, if if you like, and closing in, <laughs> moving at tremendous speed, one by a nose. Uh, so you know whatever uh, you know. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to stop there before Good things get idea. in really bad trouble. Um, but I think the 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 third major point here in terms of this emergency is you listen to this podcast, get pregnant. Boom. Yeah, that's what happens. Get married, get pregnant. Say that equals babies. Say that <laughs> makes babies happen. See, yeah. there's here's the thing, and we've we've done this before. Say that equals babies is like saying grapes equals wine. There are other steps that are very key to the baby process. No, no, you go to the wine tree, right, and you just pick some wine off of it. You like <laughs> you just tap the thing and it comes out. Exactly, of the, that's my understanding. Me too. Sure, tap it and it comes out right into the box. Here, here's what uh, <laughs> exactly. Here, here's what we're talking about. People out there, they're lonely. Sure. Okay, they want to meet uh, and they attractive member of the opposite sex that's uh hot sure right and and christian and loves jesus okay but how are you gonna do it jed how indeed i mean it's not like uh you know all this is just uh gonna happen on its own right well look i feel like you in this day and age you almost need something that lets other people know what you're on Oh. You know, something that, like, you could put yourself out there and people like, you know, hey, I know what they're up to. Like, I know what their deal is. They could just, just take one look at you and know. Exactly right. This this hottie is with the program. But here's the thing. I mean, under normal circumstances, sure, you could wear, like, a Say That t-shirt. 
right. you know, and sure. let people know what the deal is. Obviously. You know, uh, maybe you could wear a fashionable, say, that wristband. Absolutely. Let people know what the deal is. But, dude, in the dead of winter, that's, how's that supposed to work? That's not going to work. You got gloves on. You got jackets on. It's just uh, forget about it. And what are we supposed to tell people? Just be lonely all winter? You have to show people that you're down to fellowship. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Winter, spring, summer, or fall, I'm down to fellowship. That's, That's what it's all about. If only, if only we had like Lonely a All Winter is my favorite December album. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had a technological breakthrough that could free up our people right to get together with our other people well jed i don't know if modern science has caught up with that it's it may never i mean it may be just an unsolvable problem probably like one of those uh, riddles of the ages yeah i have good news for you and i have bad news for you okay the good news is we've got just such a product really the bad news is you designed it and ordered it, so the fact that you don't remember it exists does not say very good things for you. That's unbelievable. We've witnessed Please tell me bir- more. Where am I? How did I get here? We've witnessed both the birth of an amazing new product and the start point of Jed's Alzheimer's. I can't wait to hear more about this product. Well, before my dementia fully sets in, sure. tell me more because I'm excited to hear what I came up with. As the fellows have pointed out, look, you live you know, here in Chicago, it's... I'm going to take a guess. I'm here. Negative 700,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Approximately. In Tennessee, apparently, it's almost 40. Yeah. Oh, no. People are losing their minds. <laughs> All oh. around the globe, you know, you got your polar vortexes and whatnot. Absolutely. You see, the key is, and we are advocates of safety on this program. Absolutely. That's our that's our whole record right there. Absolutely. You lose most of your heat from right off the top of your head there. Okay. Yep. So proper headgear is essential in winter. That's just basic science, all right? Yeah. Now, you've got a few options. Uh-huh. You could go very hipstery, kind of flappy flannel hat. Uh, yeah. You I'm could. Not... That would pretty much have the opposite effect of the opposite sex thing we're talking about there. Yeah. You could go, you <laughs> You're know. You're repelling people at that point. Sure. You could go, and I saw a member of the illustrious uh, Chicago Police Department wearing this just the other day, the full-on Russian beaver pelt hat. Yeah, like the balaclava. Yeah. It's a little, yeah, it's a little pricey. So, well, and also, adorable beavers died to make that hat, y'all. Yeah. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Okay. We're really driving hard for that PETA sponsorship. <laughs> All right. Well, so there's, and, you know, you'll catch communism. Right, exactly There's almost right. no doubt about that. <laughs> but here's what we know. You know what's a good American hat to wear? Tell me. Good the world over, fashionable, practical yourself a nice beanie oh the beanie the knit cap the ski cap of course sure the knee it cap was right cap. in front of us all along how did we not see it <laughs> that's right we have a brand new piece of say that merchandise swag Merch. if you will sweet sweet capitalism Woo! we've got a heather gray ski cap knit cap beanie toboggan if you're from certain geographical regions in the united states it's a winter hat it'll keep you warm but the bright orange say that logo We'll also let people know you know what's up. See, here's another thing. People may out there may not understand. When we say merch, yeah. That's that's a cool way of saying merchandise. Right. See, some people they're like confused. They don't know. As what's many of up. you know, uh, Glenn, Jed and Lee all have pretty extensive backgrounds in music performing and the music business where they started shortening shortening merchandise to merch because it's very it's much quicker to say I didn't sell any merch. Yeah. Yeah, if you sell a lot of something, it's merchandise. Yes. 
If you have something on a merch table, you did not yeah. sell any. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it might be helpful, you know, for for the people to know how this will go in their lives. Maybe we could do some role playing. Excellent. Of, you know, kind not of not excellent. An, an uh, encounter worst with idea. The say that Nick Cat. I don't see how this ends well. Versus, <laughs> I don't see how you two doing more improv on the Down to Fellowship episode really benefits us in any way. <laughs> Versus without the Nick Cap. Okay. All right. All so right. I'm saying, um, uh, you know, you'll be Fitz, the gal, right? That I'm trying to be like, what's up? I'm what's, the hottie. What's, you're the hottie, right? Now let's start with without the Nick Cap. Glenn has right. it in his contract that in any fiction he must play the hottie. <laughs> so okay. Uh, right. We're going to describe the scene. Glenn's the hottie. I'm trying to make a move, but I right. don't have the knit cap on. Right, okay. All right. This is without the, this without say, the knit cap. Without the say a that world hat. without the say that knit cap. Nightmare, though it may be. Fade in. <laughs> hey. Hey, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Get away from me, stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Okay. Wow. That, I can feel. And let's be fair. If someone approaches you without to say that Nick Cap, that is the correct response. Certainly. That's, you know, I could feel the drama behind that. See, that's, that's real. I that's, was there. Look, that's just not going to work out. I was layered. Glenn's character had a lot of backstory. You really felt the pain. You knew there was a fully fleshed out situation going on there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right. Now, we ready for round two? Absolutely. Okay, in this scene, you're the hottie, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a move, but I do have... My say that knit cap, right. fashionably placed on top of my noggin. Okay. And fade in. Hey, I saw you. Just wanted to come over and introduce myself. Uh, how are you doing? Nice to see you. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Wow. Everybody likes a nice husky voice. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is clearly say that knit cap. Leads to marriage, leads to babies. It just, gets resu- we're not making this stuff up. We're just, just trying to bring results. life into the world. That's it. Just bringing life into the world. Lee, what kind of advice would you have for people trying to figure out, you know, how to, you know, make a move in the winter time? Do you feel like the say that knit cap would help them in that uh, aim? Here's the whole thing: is everybody knows that first impression. You can't, you can't stress the importance of that enough. And if you're going to make the right first impression, you want to be able to say a lot of things um, right off the bat. And if if you if you approach a young lady with the say that knit cap, what you're saying to her is, "I love Jesus. Yeah, I'm down for getting wisdom on how to handle my business. Absolutely. Yeah. I I I care about doing relationships in the right way. Okay. I respect you, Mm -hmm. and I want to get married and have babies." Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's what you want. That's a slam dunk right there. I think we may have lost some sales with that last one, quite frankly. I, mean, I want to get married and have babies. I think there were some guys who were real on board until that last one came in, but it's all true. <laughs> well, let's flip this around, y'all. Okay. What happens if you're a lady Yeah. and you're wearing the Say That hat? Oh, man. See what I'm saying? Okay. As a guy, you see that, you know, if first of all, you know what you say to yourself? Tell me. I got to step up my game here. Totes. Sure. I got to... Are we back with the totes? <laughs> You're welcome. Is it back-to-back weeks with the totes? You know what you are? You're welks. <laughs> <laughs> Make that stop. Okay, you here's what... Throw the flag on welks. <laughs> here, here, here's what I'm saying is, uh, you say, I got to step up my game because this gal, you know, this is a sharp 
young lady. She's here. in it to win it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I got, I can't just be a schlub here. Exactly right. I got to, you know, uh, and, you know, maybe I need to look at my life choices, start eating healthier, working out, cue the montage, but, you know, then they're working out, they're lifting weights and everything, yeah. running, uh, you know, and the thing, and reading more. Sure. Becoming more literate totally. and everything, and thinking about being a better father to exactly. the future children that you're going to have with these babies. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you put this hat on. Exactly. I'm now picturing a montage where those are combined, and someone is curling copies of Tolstoy <laughs> and reading a page in each hand. Exactly. That's just basically what's going to happen. Well, now that we've established the, I mean, that you'd be just crazy to not immediately demand to have your own, say that knit cap. Right. Matt, what must the people do to have a knit cap? Probably pay you like a million dollars, right? Sure, if you want to do that, that's very possible. MissionUSA.com slash e-giving. However, <laughs> if you feel like you're going to try to get a little more of a bargain, there are three ways to get the say that official knit cap and kickstart yourself on the way to babies. Okay. So we've got these right here. You can sign up for Bridgebox. That's MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. That is... Uh, our digital media service, songs, sermons, devotionals, Bible studies, videos, all sorts of cool stuff based around a topic. February's topic is how do I get over a broken heart? Okay. Very cool thing, either for yourself, if you're in ministry, counseling some folks, just want a lot of good stuff on a very important topic. That is what's up. Okay, so you can do that. That's $8 a month, missionyosa.com slash bridgebox. And free knit cap when you sign free up. Free knit cap. Or free knit cap, you can sign up for... The Lee Younger Bridge Box, missionusa.com slash BBLY. It's the same kind of thing. Every month, Lee puts out a brand new song, uh, a little video to go along with it, and he handpicks some stuff from previous Bridge Boxes to go along with that topic for the month. That's also $8 a month. You can sign up for that at missionusa.com slash BBLY, or you can email me, matt at missionusa.com, and I will send you the special secret link to get both of those for only $12 a month. Now, Woo. there are people out there who say to me, I spend an hour a week with you guys, and that's really enough. Yeah. yeah and I don't pay for it, and I still kind of feel like I'm getting ripped off. So, yeah. you know, what are we doing here? So I'm not going to sign up for Bridgebox, or maybe I don't, you know, have the, my monthly budget doesn't support recurring monthly payments. Or maybe you're already signed up for Bridgebox. You're sure. already signed up for Bridgebox a little younger. But you still want that sweet, sweet knit cap because you want babies. Sure. I think everybody does. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We have a friend. His name is Eric. Eric mm. Peters, he's releasing a digital album mm. on February the 5th. Mm-hmm. It's called Counting My Rings. It's mm. B-sides and unreleased tracks from his catalog. Eric, as I can speak for uh, all of us on this podcast, Eric is one of our favorite songwriters. Uh, Lee and I have Ooh. both seen and hosted several of his concerts. There's a lot of great work with Young Life. His music is awesome. So here's what we're going to do. That record will come out on february the 5th you can keep a lookout at his twitter which is at eric peters music or his website ericpeters.net and you're going to find a little download code i think it's going to be a five dollar album maybe slightly more but five or seven you can buy that or i'm gonna throw it open if you go to itunes go to rabbitroom.com and buy any of his previous studio albums you email me with your proof of purchase, so that can be a screenshot of your iTunes receipt or the thing in your iTunes or whatever, and we will give you send you a knit cap. Okay. Whoa. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Awesome music, awesome stuff for your walk, and a free knit cap. It's going down. We will remind you of all that stuff again next week. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox, MissionUSA.com slash BBLY, EricPeters.net. And all, all joking aside... 
that this dude's music is awesome. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, uh, next week we will have a little sneak preview for you guys on that album. So, babies. Boom. We're going to get into the second half of this question, which has a real question in it. But first, I'm going to question the wisdom of the structure in this show, where we do things like that up front and then expect people to take our advice about the way they should live their lives later on. <laughs> You're all welcome. We may have found an issue. All right. So this is from that same anonymous email after the naming order, which is apparently wrong. Glenn, they Jed, jump in. Lee, Matt. That's sure. the only acceptable order. Sure, sure. We jump in. They say, here's, the que- here's my question. What is church discipline all about? How much of an authority should pastors have over the lives of their church members? Can pastors tell people not to take communion? I have a friend who's caught up in some of this right now, and it feels very funky. Lee, can you start us off? Yes. Um, so, okay, uh, the New Testament talks about the, you know, the the issue of church discipline in a, in a couple of different places the the main place is in uh, Matthew chapter 18 when when Jesus talks about you know what should you do when somebody sins against you you should talk to them about it one on one and and you know and, and see if they'll turn things around if they won't take a, a, a you know a believer who's a who's a friend of everybody take take them with you and talk to them you know two to one and see if they turn it around if they don't he says you know take them before you know the church the elders you know and and and, uh, and basically you you go through this series of kind of ramping up the number of people that are exposed to this to this situation so that this person will say you're right I need to I need to change the way that I'm handling myself and all this stuff there's a place in the book of Hebrews that says you know when it comes to the people that you know the the people that teach the word to you the people that minister to you and take care of you he's the writer of the book of Hebrews says don't make their job a burden don't make their don't make their life hard on them you know they're they're uh, they're taking care of you they're they're giving their lives to uh, to 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 uh, you know, to teach you and to, to help you walk through your life. So make it easy on them. Listen to them, you know, uh, follow, follow their, you know, follow their wisdom, you know, do what they're, they're asking you to do and that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. I can tell you that, you know, when you, when you hear those verses lined out, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the people that are given their lives to love you and minister you and take care of you, you know, respect them, make their, make this job easy on them. Don't make it hard on them. Don't, don't be, you know, don't be disrespectful and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if people that love you come to you in your life and have to call you out on something, you know, listen to what they're saying, say you're sorry where you need to. It all, on paper, this all makes a lot of sense. And it all seems really nice and neat and tidy. I can tell you that in over 10 years of being a pastor at a church, it's almost never neat. It's almost never tidy. And it's hardly ever, it are, it's hardly ever pretty. A lot of times when you have to call somebody, when a pastor has to call somebody out on something because they're misbehaving, they're, they're out of control, what winds up happening is, and, and this is probably, and, and you know, Glenn, Jed, you guys can kind of speak to this too. I, I'd love to see what your theory on this is, but I have a theory that this has to do with the fact that in, at least in the United States, we have so many churches in every single town that what happens is when something happens that you don't like, you just go to another one, period. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, on, on the surface, I'm a part of this community and these are my people and we're walking through life together and everything. We're friends and stuff. But in reality, what happens is 
you know, if a pastor has to say to somebody, this is not going to fly, we need to take care of this, we, you know, we need to sit down and talk about this, let's figure out what's going on here, and, and you need to look at the way that you're handling your business, we need, to, we need to make some changes here, do you understand that? And what people will do is, that's the last you see of them. They will just walk out of the room, and then it's over at that point. There have been very few cases in my life of times when I've had to sit down with somebody one-on-one or sit down with another pastor or with guys that are you know, in leadership, elder board, whatever, and, and deal with somebody in an issue that they need to change, and then they come back and say, you're right, I'm sorry, I need to handle this, you know, I need to handle this like a grown-up, I need to handle this with some maturity. It doesn't usually happen. Now, as far as when you say, can a pastor tell people not to take communion? You're talking about some really funky places in the book of First Corinthians. And, and I'll just go ahead and say this. As far as I'm concerned, First Corinthians is the most confusing book in the New Testament. It's the, it's the, most, confusing thing to, it's the most confusing thing to understand what was going on. And it's kind of like listening to one side of a phone conversation. Yeah. You know, there was something else that they were talking about. There's these issues that you don't quite know exactly what's going on. It's difficult business. But it's certainly, the, the way that the Apostle Paul seems to handle his warnings about communion seem to be, that seems to be given to the individual believer, and I don't know if I don't know if I'm I have I don't know if I'm wrong about that. These guys can can uh, can maybe hammer this home a little with a little bit more specificity there. But it seems like the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, when it comes to you taking communion, you make sure that you examine yourself. I don't think that they really. Uh, I don't know if he really gives a directive to pastors about deciding who gets to take communion there. Um, but I, I can say that there are some pastors that I've known that you know. <laughs> You know, maybe some people should go to another church. They need to go somewhere else because this dude's view on stuff is wacky or he doesn't have a lot of accountability. But the New Testament is clear that when you have a pastor who loves you, who's handling his business well, who knows what he's doing, you're supposed to respect that dude. You're supposed to make their job easy on them because it's a hard job. And and, peop- and basically, people almost never do. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, for sure. I uh, I agree with everything that that Lee is saying here. Uh, definitely, uh, I it, you know what we do is is not church. Uh, we we have it's more urban missions, so it's a bit of a different type of deal. But we make it very very clear to everyone who comes in the door: this is not a free for all. This is not you get to come in and make it be whatever you want it to be. That's mm-hmm. not what we're doing here. Uh, surprisingly, I have very little problems with uh, gangbangers and ex-cons on that. Yeah. I often have quite a bit of problem with uh, white suburban churchgoers on that uh, who are there to help out, uh, help us out with various things and whatnot. Uh, so, uh, you know, every now and then we, we have to, uh, to, to confront somebody and let them know uh, as as Lee is saying, this behavior isn't going to fly. When that happens, generally, what we're what I am saying is I'm accountable before God for what happens in this meeting. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I'm trying to control everything that happens in in the meeting exactly, but it does mean if there's something out of bounds, uh, you know, I'm the one whose job it is to confront that and to deal with that. Uh, uh, certainly, I don't do that unless it's an absolute emergency. And uh, certainly when I do that, uh, it isn't a discussion. Uh, I'm informing you this is how it's going to be. This is how it's not going to be. Uh, You you don't have the freedom to come in 
and make this uh, into whatever you want to make it into. Um, The thing that goes with that, however, that I think we have to make absolutely clear is that I'm accountable to the rest of my team on making that decision. So if we have an ongoing problem with somebody, we've probably talked about that multiple times as a staff, but what do we want to do with this? How do we want to handle it? Is there something I'm not seeing on this problem? Uh, is there maybe a more delicate way to handle this thing? You know, we're looking for any kind of angle on it that we can get. And we're praying about it as well and trying to get something from the Lord. And, and we're letting everyone else know, you know, I haven't prayed about it, but here's what I'm thinking. And someone else might say, well, I, I did get a chance to pray about it. And I got a sense this might be the way to go. That kind of thing. So generally speaking, we've given that quite a little bit of, uh, of, uh, thought and prayer uh, before we make that confrontation. And on the rare occasions when that uh, isn't happening, just something comes up in the moment. Uh, generally, if I'm confronting somebody, I have, you know, either Jed or Matt or Pete or somebody from our staff literally standing right there. So if they saw or heard something where I'm getting out of pocket, they have the freedom to put their hand on my shoulder and say, Hey, here's something I'm thinking that we might be missing here or, uh, have we thought about this or do we want to give this a, 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 you know, a chance to work out in a different way, whatever it is. So that accountability is the whole thing. I think what your, your friend might be experiencing is something where a pastor is kind of on his own deal and just kind of taking some sort of, uh, you know, monopoly of power there. Final point on this real quick is uh, it, it's worth saying Uh, I don't know if this applies in your situation, but it's worth saying when it comes to the subject of pastors confronting the people in their church, 99.99% of of the time, they're not confronting people enough. And uh, generally, most pastors are faced with situations where here's a conflict between two people. One person's acting out of pocket. The other person's a victim of that behavior. Given that choice, overwhelmingly what we see overwhelmingly is those pastors will say, let the person being mistreated leave rather than confront the person doing the mistreating. And so you have churches that just the only people that are left are the people misbehaving and no one's confronting that. No one can because now they, they've got a head of steam behind them. They, they, they feel like they have a point. Uh, meanwhile, <coughs> excuse me, everyone else is bouncing around looking for a church to, to belong to where a pastor will back them up. Uh, we all need, we all need a pastor or a leader or someone who can come in and help us maintain order, help us keep people from acting out of pocket or inappropriately. And, uh, that's a good and important thing. But if that person isn't accountable to a leadership team, who can be straight with them and can can check them on things, then that's not likely to be a healthy thing either. Totally, Judd. Well, I just want to cover one other angle here, and that is if you want to have a mature, sustainable Christian life, uh, you need relationships where you are confrontable. Let me explain what I mean. That's right. Um, I The number of stupid things that I think on any given day number in the thousands— Amen. And every once in a while, I start to act on one of those insanely stupid things, <laughs> I've thought. 
And in that moment, what I really need are people who have earned the right to speak into my life, who can come to me and say, hey, bro, um, this ain't it. Uh, this this thing you're uh, appearing to be starting to do this is this is not the way to go and nobody's um, above that no one is above that uh everyone needs that and understand for me um i look the the brothers that are on this podcast are all people i look to to if i'm out of bounds man i, I need you to check me because the thing to understand is everybody gets out of bounds right everybody right. everybody everywhere i think one of the things it's it's a weird kind of cultural thing but um, you know, particularly Americans, you know, we, we think of ourselves as rugged individualists and blazing our own trail and don't even want, want anybody to tell us anything about anything. But that's actually not a healthy life, and it's not in any way a healthy Christian life. Um, all of us need to be confrontable. All of us need to have relationships in our lives with people that we trust, with people who have demonstrated love and care for us, who can, in those moments where we're starting to head in a dumb direction, can come to us and say, this is not the way you want to go. Um, you need to pump your brakes. You need, you need to turn it around. I think one of the things, I say all that to say, I think one of the things that contributes to problems with church discipline is there's so little of that in most Christians' lives that misbehavior goes way farther than it should, right. way longer than it should, and you wind up with a pastor who doesn't know this person terribly well having to confront them um, and do kind of make up for work that should have been done six months ago in their life. That if they had actual friends in their life, if they had a small group that truly knew them and was looking out for them, somebody would have spoken up six months ago and said, hey, this is not the way to go. You don't want to do this. Instead, this behavior went unchecked for months and months and months until it was completely out of control. And again, then a pastor who doesn't necessarily know them super well had to step in and drop the hammer. Well, that's not a good case for anybody. That's No one wins in that scenario. Um, the, the way to avoid that, again, is to seek out relationships with people in your life that you can trust, people who love you, are prepared to demonstrate that love to you, and who can help keep you accountable and, and help check you when you start to head in a funky direction. That's absolutely right. One thing I'll tack on right at the end here is you mentioned communion specifically, which makes me think that that's one of the deals that's going on here. And some churches do have some weird rules about divorced people taking communion, people have done this, that, taking communion. And I'm not, I'm not in a position to say that's wrong, but I wouldn't want to attend a church that says we know who, who has and who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord that's worthy of taking communion. So just throwing that out there as, as goes to look back a little bit to what Glenn talked about, kind of unchecked power running rampant, which unfortunately is a thing in Christianity. Speaking of which, we'll move to our next question here. This also <laughs> came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, Recently, a certain megachurch pastor, I'm sure you know who, got in trouble for plagiarism. But as a totally sold out and devoted Say That super fan, you should probably have that checked, I hear you guys <laughs> say that you stole stuff from each other all the time. So is this actually a big deal or not? Glenn, can you kick us off? Yes, and I'm delighted to kick off this question. <laughs> sure. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, frequently... Uh, on this podcast, uh, I go last on questions, and I hear two other answers uh, from other members of the uh, podcast who are repeating stuff they've heard me say <laughs> and have stole it from me and are not saying any – and in some cases, uh, 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 it's been stolen 
from someone else who stole it from me. So uh, it, 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 you're absolutely right. There is an, an immense amount of thievery. And you're saying that hurts, and you would never be so low as to maybe make eye contact with somebody in the back of the room and preach a point that they came up with. And when it gets a giant ovation, walk to the back and go, it's really all in the delivery. That uh, that does sound like me, yes. <laughs> you, you wouldn't uh, preach someone else's point from lunchtime and then utter the phrase, your words sounded good coming out of my mouth. <laughs> that also sounds exactly like okay. me. Yeah. A lot of stealing being the point. Exactly right. Uh, what we're talking about here is um, the 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 premise really is that it's all been preached before, uh-huh. um, and that's a really if if you're going to be teaching lessons, uh, uh, you know, Bible study lessons, something like that. If you're going to be uh, uh, preaching a sermon, what have you. Uh, don't try and come up with new stuff. That's a, that's bad. Uh, <laughs> Christianity is sort of a closed book. We 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 don't we don't want any innovation. They've written the book on it quite literally. Yeah, um, and the simpler the better, of course. And sure, if you've heard something that's impacted you, there's a good chance that'll impact others. Uh, but it's all been preached before. It's all been said before. And and I think by acknowledging that, we get out of the mentality of let me try and say something amazing and brilliant and what have you. Uh, so yeah, I think you are better off uh, kind of lifting something uh, from someone else and using that uh, in order to um, minister to people. If someone has said something to you that made a big impact on you, there's a good chance that'll impact others as well. Uh, we are, part of our service that we do here in Chicago for people coming off the streets and out of the jail is we we bring in three pastors each Tuesday to preach a 10-minute message. And I can tell you very frequently those pastors are furiously scribbling notes to steal from one another. Yeah. Uh, and uh, none of us has any uh, shame about any of that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how that goes. But what you're describing is actually a much different scenario. Right. Um, when we're talking about uh, mega church stuff, uh, we're we're not talking about stealing the preaching stuff on Sunday. Uh, we're talking about uh, publishing books where the stuff in the book uh, came from other sources uh, that had been written before. So if I write a book, I'm specifically looking to you know uh, sell that book and make money. And if someone else has come up with that stuff, I'm kind of taking that money from them and making it for me, and that's uh, a bit of, pro- of a problem. Which is problem. both unethical and illegal. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's bad news, and it's also bad when uh, you're uh, with sort of a, uh, a, a David and Bathsheba kind of situation where uh, the one doing the stealing uh, is part of a multi-million dollar operation and the person being stolen from uh is operating on a whole lot less uh money so that's <coughs> excuse me it's not a very kosher thing now the counterpoint to that uh to wrap this up is that <coughs> um uh, uh, it's important for people to understand and maybe maybe they don't know this that when you're watching a mega church pastor deliver a sermon or write a book or whatever, that's actually not exactly them. Uh, if you, Most of their sermons are a team of people that sit around and 
That's as- right. assemble this information. Much in the way that a politician will have speechwriters and he'll sure. give them the what he wants and the thing and they'll hammer out the details. Absolutely right. So th- there's not, uh, uh, th- this isn't the work of that person uh, at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, not altogether. And the same thing with the books. Many of the books are either ghostwritten or, or co-written with someone else so that the other people on that team who are, you know, largely responsible for sections of that content may be doing something inappropriate, but that doesn't mean that that individual is doing something inappropriate. But it, it's, it's also worth noting that if you like this person's preaching or books or whatever else, that may not exactly be that person that uh, you're admiring. It, it might be someone on, on their, on their writing staff. Uh, so that's to the positive. If you know something to the negative, that might be the same thing. Someone on the staff doing something inappropriate. Absolutely. Jed. Uh, yeah. Just to build on what Glenn's saying, I think there's a couple things you'll want to look at. The first is to recognize that there's a difference between media and ministry. Um, and it's kind of two different rules in, in two different systems. Yeah. Right. So uh, ministry um, is people trying to help people learn about Jesus. Um, and as Glenn said, it's all been preached before. Uh, we're all just, you know, trying to break things down for, for a person in a way that they might understand. Media is about making money. Media is about business, um, right. and understand uh, megachurches are media empires. Um, they hopefully do some ministry along the way, but th- the goal is actually media. That's actually what, what they're doing, uh, and, and they're not shy about that. If you ask them, they will tell you our, our goal is to generate Christian media and sell it. Um, yeah, the, the focus is on production value. That's it, what they're looking at. Yeah. Exactly right. The thing is, in the professional environment of media, there are kind of understood things that are um, – uh, uh, boundaries of what's acceptable and isn't acceptable. Um, you know, I mean, uh, and some of it has to do with copyright law, just what is and is not copyrightable. Uh, it's, it's, you can't really copyright a theme, um, you know, and that's why you'll see frequently mo- two movies coming out side by side that are about very, very similar stories because right, yeah. you, you can't really copyright the theme. You know, um, you can copyright the script, but not so much the theme. And, and everybody understands that. And there's plenty of, um, you know, something from one arena inspires somebody in another arena. You know, so Philip Yancey is a very good Christian writer. If you're looking for good Christian writers to read, he's a great one. He at one point wrote a book. He's talking about God being on the side of the underdog. And then there's there was a Christian band, I think actually they've reformed, called Audio Adrenaline. And they really loved that idea. So they cut a whole album about underdog. You know, well, that's that's not really stealing. That's just kind of, you know, themes going back and forth. And everybody understands that. That's that's fine. Uh, Plagiarism is the deliberate lifting of verbatim text from one document and placing it into a second document. As if it was your idea. Without proper citation. Without proper citation. And that's actually what we're talking about uh, in this case. There was a megachurch pastor a couple months ago who um, someone on his team did exactly that. It's it's this is not. In the in the this I'll also tell you something about the megachurch book industry. The actual reason that the publishing company put out was the research firm, which they subcontracted the book out to, did that without properly citing it. Exactly right. Now, now, not to interrupt you, Jim, but I, I think it is worth pointing out 
that whoever puts their name on it needs to be accountable for that. You absolutely. Know, that, that, absolutely. That, we're not trying to get anybody off the hook here, but just explain. We're trying to give folks <laughs> a peek into a, the process they may not totally understand. Right, right. Exactly. Absolutely. So we're right. trying to give you all the details we, we know about it. So understand, these are not accusations. This is demonstrable fact. There's a megachurch pastor, published a book. The research team lifted text. I believe it was a D.A. Carson book. Um, did not yeah. properly cite it. That No, no one disputes that. Um, that's that's a matter of public record, and, and that is plagiarism. That that technically speaking, legally speaking, that is plagiarism. But here's the thing that I want to drive to um, that I think would be really useful for the folks if you're listening to this podcast is you can tell a lot about a person by the way that they respond to when you question them. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, if you were to ask me, if you said, hey, that was a really nice sermon, and I love the thing you said about X, Y, Z, just out of curiosity where that come from, I will never have a problem telling you, oh, I got that from Glenn, or I got that from Lee, I got that from Matt, I got that from you know an Augustine book. You know that's that's where that comes from. Uh, uh, Glenn would never have a problem telling you that came from a dude that you know I worked right. for and he trained me up, and Lee would never have sure. a problem telling you that came from my pastor Tom Job and blah blah blah. Um, uh, anybody who um, you know is is kind of a ministry person they never have a problem telling you where they where they got something when you ask somebody hey that's cool kind of you know tell me about where did that come from if they get defensive that's oh, okay. a big sign something has gone massively like wrong suey defensive if they start talking about legal action uh, that's a sign something's gone massively, massively wrong. So in in this case, um, you know, with with the particular incident we're talking about here. Um, it's no problem at all to say, hey, um, you know, uh, books involve a lot of people, um, and we intended to cite it, and we didn't, and you're totally right, and it's our bad. Um, and we're going to fix that in future editions. That's that's no problem, and that's the right way to handle that. Sure. Right, that's right. that's the actual... Or the publishing company could send a letter to the blogger threatening to sue them into oblivion, at which point they take their blog post down and apologize. Exactly right. See, that's not the way to handle it. Um, right. You can learn a lot about people just by asking, what's the deal and, and where did this come from? Uh, if it looks like they're acting like a jerk, go with that hunch. Because right. uh, they're, they're, they're telling you a lot. The other half of that is don't be afraid to ask people questions. Um, don't be afraid to ask right. people where they got things. Don't be afraid to ask people, um, you know, that's uh, an interesting quote, who's that from? Interesting line, interesting concept. Um, you know, what people, people that are not hiding something will never have a problem telling you where they got what they're doing. Absolutely. Lee? Um, you've heard uh, a ton of awesome stuff about this so far. I, I'll just put, you know, a couple little things here at the end. Um, I, I can, I can say that one, one reason, one, one thing that, that, <clears throat> that I do in the, the, the particular kind of stealing that I, that I do in my ministry is I love reading. And those of you who've listened to this podcast a lot will know that I love reading books by guys who are dead. Uh, who wrote their books a long time ago? They were pastors. They were in ministry, and <clears throat> and what's cool is when you when you go back to those books, those guys actually wrote those books. They they wrote every word of the book, and then and then the word and then the the book was published, and they were the ones who wrote it. And what's cool is those guys will cite the people that they stole their stuff from. Now, the the thing is, like I I'll read book I'll read a book by an English pastor who was dead in the 1930s, and his ministry happened in the early 1900s. Like, nine, you know, he preached a sermon in 1914, and and I read something in that, and something truly truly cool I see in there that I haven't thought about before or whatever. Well, if I just read that 
paragraph to one of my high school friends, they're not going to have any idea what dude is talking about. That's just not going to make any sense at all. But the thing is, is that I am in a relationship with my, with the, with the, the high school folks that I'm ministering to. I know the music they listen to. I know the, the way that they talk. I know the, what, the slang that they use together. And what I can do is I can take that pastor's ideas and thoughts and translate them into a language that my high school guys can understand. And I can transmit that thought to them. And and like Jed said, if anybody asks me where I got it from, I'm more than glad to tell it. I'm more than glad to cite it. I'm more than glad to quote that dude. But that's what we do a lot of times is that when you're in ministry with people, and like Jed said, when somebody, if, if they've earned the right to, if they've earned the right to speak into your life, then what you can do is you can take the stuff that you've heard and you can put it in terms that they can understand. And a lot of times that's what we're yeah. doing in stealing is that, is that, you know, I hear, you know, I, I hear something that Glenn has said to the, the specific guys that he works with on his mission field. And I love the way that he said that, but I might tweak some of the language. I might tweak some of the, some, some of the, some of the syntax diction, some of the vocabulary for the folks in my, you know, high school or middle school Bible study to understand. And so I'm stealing from him, uh, but I'm, I'm translating that into the way that the people in my mission field can, can understand. And the, uh, the last thing I would say about this is, um, is you don't have to listen to dude's podcast. Um, you don't have to read dude's book. And, and I would put a cautionary word out here for, for young believers that the most famous Christian in the land is not necessarily, that doesn't mean he's the most wise Christian in the land. That doesn't mean, that does not mean that that is that's where everybody needs to go to get their wisdom. My guess is, because I know how much the Lord loves you, is that somewhere in your church or in your town or in your group of friends, there's somebody who loves Jesus, who's praying for you, who's trying to minister to you, who wants to walk you through your life. And what you want to do is, like, if you want to listen to a church, um, a past, you know, some famous pastor's podcast, and listen to his sermons, that's fine. Or read his books, that's fine. But what I would do is, if I if I have somebody in my life who has a beautiful walk with the Lord, who knows what they're talking about, and who cares about my life, they know me, they know my situation, they know my pet's name, that's the dude I'm really going to listen to. That's the person I'm really going to go to. And I'm Amen. not going to worry about some of this other stuff. So I think that one place that this comes down is, let the crazy world do their crazy things. But if you've got somebody in your life who knows their stuff, and who cares about you, then pray for that person, thank that person for the way that they minister to you in your life, and, 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 uh, and defer to them. Absolutely. Jed, one last thing? Real quick, you know, Lisa said something so smart. I just want to uh, just build on it for a second because I think it's important for you know, folks listening to this podcast to kind of understand how stuff works. Fame uh, comes from uh, generating exposure. It doesn't come from talent. Let me tell you right. what I mean. Um, people hear about you when you are on TV and the radio. That, that's how they hear about you. The way that you get on TV and the radio is by being outrageous. Mm -hmm. right. that's, that's how you wind up there. So, for example, this particular pastor uh, a couple years ago was protesting the movie Avatar because it's satanic. <laughs> <laughs> It just happened to be the most popular movie out at that point. If but. you think Satan is a, a blue alien from outer space, we have to really start also, over. Satan is many things. He's not mind-numbingly boring. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there are other reasons. 
There are reasons to not watch that movie, but not the Satan one. So here's the thing. Um, if you say, hey, uh, I think the super popular movie is Satanic, CNN would love to interview you about that <laughs> right. because that will get viewership. Yeah. And they will tell people right. you're a pastor. Right. Well, and, and it has to be said beyond what Jed's talking about, uh, it, you become famous by paying a publicist. That's, exactly that's right. The, yeah. in, in today's media culture, you, you become known by paying for a publicist to get your name in the paper. Anybody who is famous at this point in time, pretty much as a general rule, is or has someone they pay money whose full-time job is to make sure they are famous. Yeah. 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 We know pastors who can, you know, just blow any of these megachurch pastors out of the water. No one's ever heard of them. No one's ever heard of them. So, yeah, we got to put that in proportion. Yeah, one real quick thing on the end of this. You notice that uh, we talked that whole segment and we didn't mention any names. There's a reason for that. We don't do that on this podcast. We talk, you know, we joke about Joel Osteen and stuff. But, you know, when we talk about this kind of stuff, we, we don't use names. The reason for that is not because we're scared of what mighty wrath this person might rain down on us or whatever, but... As we pointed out, a lot of these people do put out a lot of content, and they put it out by a group. So a lot of these megachurch guys have put out a lot of stuff, a lot of which is fine, is good. Right. And one thing that the megachurch is very good at, and we bash the megachurch a lot because it is to be bashed, but one of the things that as an institution they tend to be very good at is giving clear gospel presentations. Yeah. Right. So some of these guys, look, I think the guy we're talking about in this is a— major league and then fill in whatever word you think would follow that and you're right but somebody out there has read a book or heard a sermon and it was the first time they heard something about jesus and they liked it so we have no interest in poisoning all your thoughts of that person what we want you to do is use your own discernment to know that just because somebody's rich and famous doesn't necessarily mean everything they say is solid gold all right we move on to our very last question here it says How do you live with people who have intentionally made what seem like flagrantly bad decisions? We all sometimes look temptation in the face and still choose to roll with it, and I know we are called not to judge, but I'm wondering how you'd suggest dealing with a roommate who has made a decision to be in an unhealthy relationship which doesn't appear to bear any good fruit, certainly not in the space we share. I don't feel like we can say you're wrong to this person, but maybe we're just being too timid. Jed, can you cut us off? Well, Darlin, we appreciate you right now. We appreciate your question. Here's the thing. Uh, you say, uh, I don't know uh, how we could, you know, how do we live with people who have intentionally made flagrantly bad decisions unless you plan to move to the desert right. um, and lead Constantly. an ascetic life? Uh, that's all we've got are people making flagrantly bad decisions oh, here yeah. on planet Earth. That's yeah. that's all we've got. And um, And I don't mean this in any kind of mean way, but that includes you. Um, you make all kinds of flagrantly bad decisions too. You're just not aware of them. Uh, but that's that's how life works. We got nothing down here on planet Earth but sinners. That's that's all we've got. Here's the second thing: sin pays off right now. That's that's the whole thing about it. That's why people do it. it it's not you know I just love sinning. No people people love the payoff of the sin, which happens right now today. I mean to read between the lines on your question, you're telling me that your roommate has a boyfriend or girlfriend. They're having a lot of sex, um, and you know uh, that's offensive to you. Sex is great. I mean, really awesome. Now, if it's in the wrong context, you know, and it doesn't have a committed, e.g. marital relationship to go with it, it's going to cause a lot of pain and heartbreak, you know, on the other side. But in the moment, it's quite lovely, which is why everyone does it. 
That's that's the whole point. So if you're wondering, how do I go to my roommate who's having a lot of sex with her boyfriend or girlfriend and convince them, um, hey, you, you really shouldn't be doing that and it's bad and naughty and evil, <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, a, they know you think it's bad, naughty, and evil. They're they're not confused about that. I mean, uh, you know, if you surveyed a thousand people on the question of do Christians think premarital sex is wrong, um, nine hundred ninety nine of them would answer that question correctly. Um, and your roommates having a good time, uh, at least in certain arenas. That's that's kind of what uh, why they're <laughs> they're doing what they're doing. I think the thing for you, I think there's two questions. The, the first is, is this actually impacting your life in any kind of practical way? In, in other words, if they're going in and getting busy on your bed, right. um, then that would be something to say something about. <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's a boundary issue right there. Yeah, that's a party <laughs> foul. Um you know, uh, um, if they're if they're doing stuff that's that's directly impacting your life, you know, I mean, you've got to be up for work at seven, and you know, they're carrying on at four in the morning. Well, that's that's an issue. I mean, that's that's something to to say something about. But if you basically have somebody who's yeah, they're making you know bad decisions and stuff that won't work in the long run, um, but they're kind of leaving you out of it. I don't know that you need to be saying anything about it. If this is something, if this is a relationship with a Christian brother or sister and they've specifically asked you to be accountability for them, um, like we were talking about earlier in this episode and kind of you know cuff them when they're getting out of bounds, then by all means say, hey, you asked me to be there for you and let you know when I'm heading in a funky direction, and you are. So um, just just so you know, but if this is a person that you're just kind of randomly living with and, you know, ostensibly you're both kind of Christian, but they're doing their own thing. That sounds to me like inviting major league trouble to kind of uh, poke your nose into their business. I think the the thing for you, I, I'm just going to I want to put this out here. and I'll pass to these other brothers is is it possible that you're jealous? Is, is it possible that what's really eating you up is you're looking at somebody having fun in their life? Maybe it's wrong fun, stuff they shouldn't be doing, but having fun in their life, and there's a part of you that feels like, man, I wish I could be doing that. And it's not fair that they're getting to have a good time, and I feel like I'm being left out. Because truth be told, Darren, there's a lot of people that that's what they're actually feeling in that moment. If you are, the good news is the answer is to start going after good stuff in your own life. The, the answer is to start um, pursuing uh, good relationships with other Christians, start pursuing ways to serve other people, start pursuing hobbies and interests, things that you care about, things you're excited about, get some momentum in your own life. When we find that we have kind of an unhealthy degree of fixation on other people's lives, that's generally a sign we don't have enough going on in our own lives. And uh, the good news is we can do something about that right now today. Absolutely, Lee. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I You know, I, I look at this part where it says, you know, I don't feel like we can say you're wrong, but maybe we're being too timid. I will say, um, uh, I don't think this is the case, but if you do have somebody that you love in your life, a roommate or, or a friend or something like that, and they are in a relationship that's unhealth, unhealthy in the sense that they are being you know, that, that, that you sense, you know, some, some level of abuse or, you know, something like that. That's, that, that's a totally different situation than what Jed's talking about. And, um, yes. but based on the things that you're saying, because you're specifically, you seem to specifically be talking about temptation. And so I, I think that Jed's read on this is exactly right. Of course, if you are, if there is somebody in your life, somebody that you love, who's in a situation where they are in danger, or they're being exploited or taken advantage of or something like that, then yeah, you need to crawl 
all all up in that situation and take care of them, protect them, and and help them, um, you know, get themselves to a place of safety and and uh, and, and guard that border. But um, if this is just a situation where somebody's sinning and it's making me really uncomfortable and I'm afraid, you know, that I'm being too timid. Uh, look, I, I know how you feel, and uh, let me say that when when I was when, when I was young. I had the same kind of sense that when I saw my believing friends falling off in certain areas, I had this fear that like if I don't if I don't talk to them about this, then what if they just like what if they don't know that what if a couple of things? What if they don't know where I stand? What if they think I'm totally okay with this? And what if they read that as being Every, everything's great. This isn't a sin or it's not a problem. And I, I know that some of that stuff comes easy. And so the feeling that you want to have is, I need to take my stand. I need to make it clear where I am on this. And look, I, I, I know that, that a feeling like that comes naturally. Here's the thing. Having been on both sides of this, in the sense that like I've had friends like this that I've watched walk away from the Lord and make terrible decisions, and I've also made massively terrible decisions myself and and uh, and done things that I've you know highly regretted. I can tell you that if that uh, the Lord is all over your friend about this, um, they're, they're not getting aw- they're not getting away with anything. Yep. Um, and the the real question that's going on in the depth of your friend's heart is, how long am I going to live in a in a situation of, you know, feeling good right now and feeling miserable the other the other hours of my day, um, feeling miserable at work, feeling miserable at school, feeling miserable in this relationship, except for when this is happening. If if uh, if your friend is a girl, you know, there's probably all kinds of other stuff in this of trying to keep this guy on the line, trying to you know keep this relationship going, stuff like that. I guarantee you this. However fun it looks, it's not as fun as it looks. If your friend is a believer, the Holy Spirit is tugging on her heart, and he wants this thing to change. He wants it. He wants her to move through it. And what here's what here's what I want to say to you, and and knowing that I know where you're coming from, I've been you. Okay, what I would suggest to you is let the Lord do His business. Let him do what he's going to do. He's going to do this in his way, and his time. He's going to break down these walls. And here's what your job is. And you've heard us say this a million times on the podcast, and I'm sure, I just want to go ahead and say this, I'm sure that we all stole this from Glenn. And Amen. so, I, <laughs> is that what you want to do is you want to be the person that is filled with the kind of love, mercy, and acceptance where you're there for her now, okay? So that you, you are lighting a ministry time bomb that when the Lord finally moves this girl past this relationship, um, that what's going to happen is you are going to be the one that she's there to talk, that, that's there to talk to her. You're the one that she's going to go to for help, for, for, for comfort when this thing falls apart. Because she knows that no matter what she's done, she can count on you and that you're there for her and that you love her like Jesus loves her and the whole bit. So that's the line that you want to take. And and I know the thing that that, that rises up that, that makes you feel like I shouldn't do that. But trust me, the Lord knows what he's doing. He is working on he is working on the heart of your friend. He uh it, he he is knocking on that door and he he's going to find his way in there. And you want to be there on the other side, the one that always accepted her and loved her and the whole bit. Absolutely, Glenn. 
Amen. And yes, that was stolen from me. So um, <laughs> we'll just move on from that moment. Just but, assume that about everything you hear on the podcast, and it'll make <laughs> everything a lot shorter. Uh, but I totally agree with what Lee is saying here uh, in terms of these people do know that what they're on is a bad idea. I mean, when you when you think about your own life, how often were you doing something wrong and you really, truly deep in your heart thought this is a great idea and there's nothing wrong with it? Now, what you probably thought was, this looks like a bad idea, but I got an angle on it. I got a way, I'm, I'm making this be okay, even though it doesn't look that sharp and whatever. Uh, if you're overcompensating for something, uh, that something is a bad idea that you know that you're operating on, so it's all the same. Uh, bottom line, people know when they're on the wrong track, I don't need uh, to uh, tell them that. They're already aware of it on some level. And certainly when things uh, uh, go wrong, they'll know that for themselves. Uh, I agree with what these guys are saying. If you want my advice, you're going to have to ask for it most of the time. Uh, I don't assume people care what I think about things and, until they ask for it. Um, uh, also, we want to put in here uh, the the uh, difference between judging people and discernment. Uh, discernment is, is knowing, uh, in this case, whether this relationship is a good idea or not, whether it's uh, healthy and a, a, a godly setup and that kind of thing versus a judgment, which would be to take that information of good and bad, right and wrong, and condemn a person off of that right. and to reject them and, and look down on them, mistreat them in some sort of way, that kind of thing. Uh, that's a bad idea. That's an anti-biblical idea. The Bible says not to do that. We don't want to do that. But we do want to have that sense of discernment. That's good. That's right. We, If it's wrong, we don't look at it and say, well, that's okay. It's not a big deal. It's, uh, if your your friend is in something unhealthy, uh, you need to be aware of that, and you need to be able to pray about that and say, when this person's done with this, what do I say? And if they come to me for advice, what do I say? And I think if that should happen, I think uh, you and, and everybody else listening to this podcast needs to find a way to be comfortable with saying things simply and straightforwardly okay. in love. Uh, if you're in a bad relationship, I, I had uh, uh, lunch a couple of weeks ago with a guy who told me he's in a relationship with a gal and the, you know, spiritually she's not, uh, you know, so much into the Christianity thing. And uh, what do I think of it? And I said, yeah, bless your heart. I think it's a terrible idea. Uh, I, I'm sure she's great. I'm sure you're great together. I'm sure the physical side of that has nothing to do with it. Um <laughs> Uh, but it's a bad idea. Now, it, it, can it be made to work in some sort of way? Can it be, become a, a decent idea? Sure, whatever. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 we're living in a world of infinite possibilities. But uh, 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 I, I was able in that situation, and, and I think you ought to be able to say, if you're asking what I think, I think it's a, a bad idea. I think you deserve better. Uh, I want to see it work out. I want to help you uh, work it out. I want to be there for you and whatever, but uh, no, sweetie, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea, and let that be it. Uh, there, the, these things are possible, but trying to figure out how to dance around that, how to avoid all conflict, how to smooth everything over, or be totally judgmental—that uh, uh, kind of stuff—is where we get in into problems. 
Absolutely. One thing I'll tack right in the end here real quick is I want to go back to a little bit of what Joe was talking about at the beginning of there's a judgment thing on this, but sometimes this could be a setting boundaries thing. We want to try to cover as many bases. And it doesn't yeah. have to be as dramatic as them having sex on your bed. Right. You know, right. they're saying, look, I'm trying to go to sleep and you're, there's a screaming match every night at 12 or I get home after work and dude is drinking the milk out of the carton and scratching himself on my couch. No, you're well within your rights to do that. Anything that has an infringement on your life, you are free to draw a boundary on without worrying about being judgy or super Christian or whatever. The key on that is to be specific about the thing you're talking about. Right. It's not an argument about your relationship. You can't be drinking the middle of the carton and yelling at my house because I pay rent here and that's not what we're doing. So that's that's a big key to healthy confrontation on stuff like that is to be super specific. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, say that beanies. If you sign up for either Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox, the Lee Younger branded Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY, or email me, Matt, at missionusa.com to get the special super secret link to get both for $12 or February 5th, Eric Peters, Counting My Rings, Anytime, I'm going to call it anytime in the month of February, you send us a screenshot of you having purchased Eric Peters' music. Send that to me, that same email address, Matt, at missionusa.com, and we will get you a beanie. Or, if you'd prefer, we can. We have some Say That t-shirts left. We might be able to do that. More on that next week. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Concentrate on quadruplets. 